Hi, Courtney. Hi, Craig. <laughs> welcome back to another episode. Yes, um, welcome. So uh, today we've just finished recording, actually, but today we are going to be talking to Kelly Cannington from Live Lighter, uh, which is part of the Cancer Council. Um, so within this conversation, we're yeah, we talk about the Live Lighter campaign, we talk about obesity in Western Australia, and in particular, we talk about toxic fat and that wonderful campaign that I'm sure a lot of you have seen. Yeah, yeah, parts of that campaign come up in conversation, yeah. um, which people should recognise, I think, once they watch television. <laughs> um, and we talk about what goes into making these campaigns, why they're needed, and how effective they are. Yeah, and so, how we know they're effective. Yeah, so listen on for a, a really great conversation with Kelly from the Cancer Council about yeah. Live Lighter. And we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. So just... Uh, for people that are listening, do you want to introduce yourself, Kelly? Yeah, my name is Kelly Kennington and I manage the Obesity Prevention Program at Cancer Council Western Australia. Very good. And what's your background originally? Where did you come from? Well, I studied at UWA. I did a Bachelor mm -hmm. of Science and mm -hmm. then when I graduated, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So mm -hmm. I went and got a job in Geraldton doing some health promotion oh, and cool. my job then was trying to encourage people um, not to drink alcohol, mm -hmm. which as a 21-year-old in the country is, is quite difficult. <laughs> that would be quite tough, yeah. Uh, and then I've had some really great jobs since then. I've worked at the Department of Health. I've worked for Healthway, which was really um, incredible. I've worked for Cancer Research UK um, and the Heart Foundation and been at the Cancer Council for, for a long time now. So I definitely love working in the non-government sector. So UK, did you actually go to the UK for that? Yeah, 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 I lived in London for two years and oh. I was responsible for a uh, tobacco campaign um, while I was there. And it was all very new. They hadn't done a lot of prevention back then, believe it or not. It wasn't that long ago. It was only about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a really exciting a really exciting time, actually, to be able to work in, in London and doing something that I love and, and take some learnings from Australia over there. It was great. Yeah. So the smokers in the UK that are paying more for their cigarettes have got you to thank. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Taking the, all, all the information me. we learned yeah. from Australia over the UK. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. some of them love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's probably a, a separate conversation, but vaping is obviously taken off over there um, yeah. massively yeah. compared yeah. to here. Yeah. Yeah. It has. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're very lucky here that we have some um, politicians that have stayed strong against heavy industry lobbying and um, taken a precautionary approach because, as you know, um, there's a lot of really concerning evidence emerging now about vaping and um, respiratory disease and um, mm. yep. its links to getting young people back onto tra traditional cigarettes. So, mm. yeah, we are very fortunate that we've got some very strong decision makers yep. um, high up in, in Australia. Yeah, and we look forward to having a chat with your smoking team at Cancer Council in a future yeah. episode. Great. Yeah, just talk about that in more <laughs> yeah, detail. I'd yeah. love to. Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah. Mm. So back to what you're doing today. Yes. So you're involved with obesity prevention. Yeah. So yeah. at the Cancer Council, we have um, obesity is is a risk factor for 13 different types of cancer. So it is a very important area for us to be um, addressing. 
And within our team, we we run a number of programs. So we run the Live Lighter campaign, which mm-hmm. I think I'm going to be talking to you about today. Mm-hmm. Um, we also run some school-based interventions. So you might have heard of Crunch and Sip, which is a, um, a program run in schools trying to get um, schools to implement fruit and veg breaks mm-hmm. for kids. And we also do a lot of work in the policy space, so trying to restrict um, exposure to kids, for example, um, to junk food advertising Mm -hmm. and looking at um, contributing to Commonwealth things like um, hopefully trying to get a a health levy on sugar, sweetened beverages, Mm -hmm. um, looking at the health star ratings, all of those policy type things as well. um, We're working hard to, to advance as well. Mm. Okay. And then specifically on Live Lighter, what's the focus for that program of work? So the Live Lighter campaign is our population-wide campaign and it's funded by the Department of Health. So it started back in 2012 and it used to be run by the Heart Foundation and Mm -hmm. it's been run by Cancer Council for the last couple of years or for the last year actually. And so really the aim of that campaign is to sort of put obesity out there as um, a very serious issue. I know... um, It's a sensitive issue for a lot of people to talk about, but really what the role of a a campaign is, is to um, get people to really take a health issue seriously and create a bit of urgency for doing something about it. So the Live Lighter campaign is really there to get to, to sort of Um, raise awareness of the serious risks associated with being above a healthy weight and giving people some very practical solutions of how Mm -hmm. to reduce their risk. So that's the main role of the campaign. Um, But the other thing that a campaign does is is it sets the agenda for for policy as well. So we know that as people start hearing these messages, they Mm -hmm. see that it's a serious issue, they see it on TV. If then they're asked to, um, you know, comment on whether, you know, there should be healthy food options at junior sport, for example, they're more likely to be um, agreeing with the need for those sorts of things as well if they've already heard on TV, for example, that it's a really serious issue. So the campaign's um, really there to set that broad message for the population. So clearly there to create awareness. Now, why do we need campaigns in particular in, in this obesity space? Well, I touched on it before, but campaigns are really important because um, they do pro- they do produce a shift in behaviour for the for the general population, and so we've seen from tobacco that campaigns have played a really big role in reducing smoking prevalence, for example. But they've also helped to um, make cigarette smoking less normal. So Mm -hmm. they've helped pave the way for some really important um, policies like not being able to smoke indoors, um, having smoke-free places. And what that means is fewer kids see people smoking and therefore are less likely to smoke themselves when they get older. So in the same way, uh, it's really important we have a campaign like this so we can show people that actually being above a healthy weight um, is, is not you know, it does put you at serious risk. Um, drinking sugary drinks every day is not something that is normal and should be encouraged as an everyday activity. And so really we're just trying to shift some cultural norms around those sorts of behaviours as well. And presumably there's evidence which has um, caused you guys to act. Yeah, so um, we know globally that obesity, um, rates of obesity have risen dramatically and that coincides with, I guess, the evolution of um, the fast food industry. <laughs> you know, they're very clever at not only how they market their products but how they formulate their products to be really highly palatable. They're high in fat, salt and Almost sugar. addictive. They are addictive, yeah. So with, with this rise in the sophistication of the junk food industry, you know, there's a... Uh, fast food outlets on every corner, they're clustered together. Um, 
Obviously, we see an associated rate uh, rise in overweight and obesity. So in WA, um, two-thirds of adults are overweight or obese and a, and a quarter of our kids. And so it's really, um, you know, what, what is difficult is that we're not going to see these figures drop any anywhere soon. And, and in fact, for a long time, the best we've been able to hope for is to halt the rise. Mm -hmm. And so really, these campaigns are, are critical because it sends a message that this is a really important issue as a community that we have to address now. So, um, you know, we also saw the health department release a report a couple of months ago showing that the health, um, you know, in five years, it's going to cost $610 million dollars to WA hospitals alone each year because of overweight and obesity. So it's a huge cost to our health system as and well. is obesity still rising in Australia? Um, or is it certain age groups that are still rising? Or kind of what's the prevalence and what's the what's happening in Australia at the moment? Yeah, so it is, um, it is still rising. Yeah. Um, we are particularly concerned about um, young people. So we know that young men in particular are high consumers of of sugary drinks and junk food, fast food. And um, it's not surprising that that's the case when you look at how the ads are put together and who's in the ads and who they're targeting as well. So, yeah, there are particular groups of the population. Um, as with any risk factor, cancer risk factor, quite often it is um, people living in, dis you know, disadvan mm. experiencing disadvantage. So we need to, you know, this is why we have a big shift on some of these environmental and policy things because we need to be... be ensuring people are growing up in a healthy environment. So, you know, not seeing fast food advertising at every single turn or on school buses that take kids to school, which we see at the moment. And um, in their social media feeds, they're just bombarded. You know, I looked at my 13-year-old's Instagram the other day and there were a number of things that were horrific about that. But one of the <laughs> things was the amount of fast food advertising yeah. that was popping up, you know, just with a couple of scrolls of his screen. So, um, you know, there is a lot we have to do. We're very behind. Um, and we can learn from what's happened with tobacco control, definitely. So it seems like this is something um, that involves more than just one agency and more than one stakeholder. Yep. Um, so you often see stories about communities campaigning against a McDonald's or something opening in their, in their area. Yep. So can you just give us a bit of a feel for the sorts of people that you're having conversations with that lead to things like, you know, the star rating or um, the sugar-sweetened beverage tax and all that sort of stuff kind of yeah. making its way yep. into... Yeah. So there are some things that um, are difficult for us to do here because they're under the control of of federal government. Yeah. So with those things, you know, we have cancer council divisions in each state, and we all work together so that when there is a submission on the health star ratings, for example, we all work together to put in one submission, which is really strong because it represents some, you know, pretty clever people from the country, <laughs> but also lots of agencies. Um, but then, then we also work really closely with the Public Health Association, with the Heart Foundation. Foundation and, and other national groups, AMA, for example, to make sure that we're all saying the same thing and um, we're all accessing really strong evidence. And it just means that when we're making these recommendations to government, the government um, go, wow, this, these, these are very credible brands all, all coming together and saying the same thing. Um, at a state level, very similar things. So there are certain things that... Um, the state government can do, and one of those things is removing advertising, junk food advertising off government property, so bus stops, bus shelter, train station ads, those types of things. Um, and we work really closely here in WA with Telethon Kids Institute, um, Heart Foundation, again, WA School Canteen Association, you know, lots of different groups, PHA, um, 
to again get do research, build our case, um, measure community support, and present really robust arguments to the government so that they um, so that they're able to make some really strong policy decisions around that. Mm-hmm. The other thing we have to do is obviously counter the industry. So the industry will always come out and say that these changes will. You know, people will lose their jobs and, you know, the whole world's going to end. And so making sure we have really robust evidence in place to be able to counter those arguments is important too. Yeah. Yeah. And do you also work with um, other disease areas as well? So obviously obesity doesn't just affect cancer. It affects basically every form of disease that I've ever heard of. Um, So do you work with like the Heart Foundation and other companies like that as well? Yeah. Yep. So um the thing with our campaign is because it's funded by the Department of Health, it's based at Cancer Council yep. um, because we've got the expertise to be able to run the campaign, but it doesn't mean you'll never see a campaign from us that doesn't talk about other other diseases. Yep. So at the moment, we have a strong focus on cancer because it's relatively new information to a lot of people. A lot of people don't know and are quite shocked when they hear that obesity can put them at, at risk of mm-hmm. 13 types of cancer or being above a healthy weight, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um But it's not to say the next campaign we do um, won't be about heart disease or won't be about fatty liver disease or, you know, something else. So um, it's really important to be giving people new information all of the time. We know that from tobacco in the same way you you might remember some of those campaigns talking about stroke or um, certain types of cancer. Um, But within the Cancer Council, we're we're working with other other teams as well. So the alcohol team, for example... um, a lot of people don't realise just how much energy is in an alcoholic beverage, mm, for example. Mm-hmm. So alcohol is a really um, big driver of, of, of our rise in obesity as well. So um, it's really important for us. Any measures that reduce alcohol consumption are going to have an impact on obesity as well. So we're working really closely with our alcohol programs team at Cancer Council on those sorts of things too. Mm. Cool. And mm. just as a side note, I know that because at the moment it's July, it's the end of July, and I'm sure a lot of us are doing dry July at the mm. moment. And I've heard somewhere uh, that they've changed that to dryish July. Uh, because of COVID and things like that. So people are still social and I'm not sure who I've heard that from, but what do you think about that? Um, Well, to be honest, you know, I think we've got to be really careful that we're not always normalising this culture of, oh, it's okay to have a few drinks. We know cancer is a really, you know, significant risk factor. Uh, Sorry, alcohol is a significant risk factor for cancer. And actually we would say there's no, you know, you know, there, are, there, are, still... there are recommendations for how many in, you know, NHMRC yeah. guidelines around um, alcohol, but Cancer Council, you know, we we would say for a whole month it would be great to have no alcohol. You know, if you really want to be be serious about reducing your risk, obviously anything you can do to reduce consumption is good, but um, but no alcohol is is avoiding alcohol really is the best choice. Yeah, and I think a lot of people use COVID. You know, we know we know with health behaviour, people are looking for excuses all the time. I mean, I remember being delighted one year when the Heart Foundation dietitian came out and said chocolate's good for Easter and go for it, and I was like, yes. But we're always, and we're our research with people who smoke. People are trying to look for excuses, or they're trying to, you know, have that defence. 
um, any anything that's going to make them feel okay about their choices, they're going to listen to. So we know in COVID, a lot of people um, were drinking more. Um, a lot of people were drinking every day. Um, and, and we don't want to be reinforcing that. We don't want to let people off the hook. We've really still got to be sending strong messages that we know you're going through a tough time, but there's so many benefits associated with not drinking during this time for your stress, for your um, you know, your mood, your productivity while you're working from home, your weight, um, you know, so, so yeah, it's, it's certainly not a message that, that, um, I think our alcohol programs yeah, team would be happy Definitely. <laughs> so something that's interesting, cause I've seen a few of your campaigns, you know, there's an advert with a guy who's looking to buy a meat pie in a service oh, station. The toxic fat. Toxic yeah. Oh, it gives me nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> and so one thing that strikes me is a lot of your campaigns are diet and consumption focused rather yep. than exercise mm-hmm. or that sort of thing focused. Is there a particular reason for that? Well, what we know is that um, we don't, we've got to focus on some things that are going to be simple and make a really big difference. And so if we look at um, the key drivers between uh, being above a healthy weight, yeah, you know, we, we do need to be active. But um, in Australia, it's sugary drink consumption and those discrete, you know, what are classified as discretionary foods. So sh- foods that are high in salt, fat, sugar, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and, and that includes alcohol L- as well. Low nutritional value and yep. high in calories yep. sort of thing. Yeah. Yep. And so the beauty of focusing on sugary drinks is that it is a relatively simple change for a lot of people because it's not a meal. Um, but, you know, a, a a Coke, for example, probably shouldn't say brown names, a cola, for example, um, you know, can have 16 16 teaspoons of sugar just in one drink. So taking that out of your diet every day um, is going to make a huge difference. So we we can't be everything in these ads because in 30 seconds you can only get across, you know, one key message. So we've deliberately focused on on those things that are packed with energy that um, are, are hopefully relatively easy to change and relatively easy to set up um, a, a strong signal to your family that these are not everyday foods or they're not an everyday drink or we're not going to put that bottle of Coke on the, sorry, cola, on the dinner table <laughs> at night okay. or we're not going to be going through the drive through every yep. every day or yep. um, those sorts of things. Because like, yep. like with a lot of these big businesses, um, they obviously have their messaging and one of their lines is that the reason people get fat is because they don't exercise. exercise mm. yeah. And our, our solution is to sell them smaller cans of cola yeah. and tell them to exercise more and sponsor sports events. Look yeah. at all the good we're doing. Yeah. We're sponsoring this sporting event. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's their way of shifting the blame off yeah. their product and onto another, onto mm. something else. And look, there's no um, doubt that being more active plays a huge role in it, and it definitely does. And so when you go to the Live Lighter website, for example, you'll see lots of information about physical activity and a lot of our, um, our non-TV stuff will be focused on physical activity, particularly during COVID when people are at home. We were giving a lot of messages around how to be active while we're at home. Mm. So it's definitely mm-hmm. a very important message still. But um, yeah, we're not going to let the industry off the hook at all and um, I guess that's the beauty of our advertising as well when we focus on these issues is that we can raise community awareness of just how um, insidious some of these industries can be with their marketing. And it would be really tough sometimes to try and divert people's attention to a campaign like Live Lighter when, mm. um, the, like, for example, what I can think of is a sports team's looking for funding mm. and they've got a big fast food brand that can probably give them lots of money yeah. compared to something that's healthier but 
can't give them as much. It would yeah. be really tough to make that decision. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're, yeah. we're very, very lucky in Western Australia that we have Healthway. So Healthway, um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know, people can apply to them for money, um, sports arts, Sports and arts groups can apply to them for money, um, and in return they can sponsor. You know, they can promote a certain campaign message, or they can make healthy changes within the venues they control. Mm-hmm. So, making sure they provide healthy food, and um, and so we've seen some elite teams, elite WA teams, taking up Healthway sponsorship in in favour of junk food sponsorship, which is fantastic. That's so, so um, netball, uh, mm-hmm. you know, West Coast Fever, Perth Glory, Perth Heat all sponsored by Healthway, which is fantastic. And um, Athletics WA, for example, um, sponsored by Healthway now. They used to have McDonald's sponsorships for Little Athletics. McDonald's are gone now, which is great. Um, And now they're they're more aligned to something that's appropriate. So the work of Healthway is so important in WA. I I seem to remember a story. It was either the Perth Wildcats or the WA cricket team. Yeah. And so they had to change some of the advertising boarding um, to, to comply with the conditions yeah. of their sponsorship with Healthway. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes it is tough because there might be a national, there might be a national sponsorship agreement mm. in place, mm-hmm. and so it's conflicting. So it can get a little bit tough. But yeah. um, you know, we'd love our Perth-based AFL teams to follow suit. You know, there's some pretty disappointing sponsorship arrangements with yeah. um, with our AFL teams. Fast food chains in particular. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And why, why um, that comes to mind. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so it really sends a wrong message to kids. You know, our kids want to be looking at their, their sporting mm. heroes to be healthy, not, you know, munching into a big burger yeah. while they're watching sport. Um, so Well, the AFL, some of their biggest funders are gambling companies and brewers. Mm. Yeah. So it's, that's really interesting. And yeah. obviously that's something that you know, we'll yeah. get addressed in time, I'm sure. Yeah, eventually, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so making the ads, how does this happen? Is that done within Cancer Council or do you yeah. outsource that to an agency? Or? Yeah, we have a couple of agencies involved. So um, when we make an ad, so when, when Live Lighter was developed originally, um, we, and I shouldn't say we because I wasn't involved, I don't want to take the credit. But, um, <laughs> the royal we. <laughs> the, Heart, the Heart Foundation at the time commissioned yeah. a very well-known and very well-respected behavioural researcher to develop a model, a behavioural model. And essentially what he found, his name is David Hill. I don't know if you've heard of David Hill. Have, yeah. um, he's retired now. He, what he found is that um, in a, in a similar, similar way to tobacco, we really need people, we really need to elevate the urgency for people. And, and to do that, you need to show some very serious um, images or very serious messages about the risk of, of being above a healthy weight and then give people a solution. So it's almost like we have a nice formula for how we need to develop ads. But what we need to do is is continually check in with people to see how they're feeling. You know, how, how do you feel about your, you know, how do you feel about your weight? What makes it harder to maintain a weight, a healthy weight? Um, you know, just really get a sense for how people are feeling so we can take those things into consideration when we brief our, our creative agency. So what we do um, this year, we did some research where we did that. We had a number of focus groups in Perth and um, a couple in Geraldton as well to to really check back in with the target audience and see whether our approach over time is still valid. And really what we found was it was, but we found some really specific things around the types of things we need to make sure we factor in when, when we develop ads. So things like empathy, we, we really need to show that we understand, you know, we don't want to be the big person with a stick <laughs> telling people off. We need to show, we need to, to show that we understand yep. and that we're all in it together. 
You know, it's not just something that everyone's dealing with on their own. Um, we need to show situations that people see them. They need to be able to see themselves in the ad, and yeah. that way they they can connect with the message more. Um, but we do need we need to present information in a way that people can't just go, well, that's not me. That's not me. That's unbelievable. That's yeah. too unbelievable. You know, so. Um, having a credible surgeon in the ad or mm-hmm. a credible agency behind the ad um, is really important so people can't say, oh, well, where did they get that from? So we, you, you might notice a lot of our ads either have a surgeon or they're branded with Cancer Council mm-hmm. at the end um, just to show that this this is a message coming from a really well-respected mm-hmm. agency. Um, and then what we do is we, we, brief, we brief our creative agency and they come up with a few ideas, a few creative ideas. We call them concepts. And then... We take those concepts back into research. So at the moment, um, tonight, in fact, uh, we've got someone running some focus groups where we show people the concepts and we just really tease them out. What do you think? Do you understand it? Does that sound red? You know, what? he's very, very skilled at not only getting the information out but managing those people that may be defensive and really finding out why they're defensive. You know, how, mm-hmm. how is this? How are you feeling as a result of seeing this ad? And then that gives us some really specific things about how we produce the ad and then we, we go into production. So the agency hires the actors and builds the sets and all the, the exciting stuff. Um, and then before the ad goes to air, we've also got a media agency that plans, you know, where do we need to put these ads so people see them? And um, there's, a, there's a fair amount of sophistication that goes into that too. So we've got a lot of um, research that's been done, particularly on tobacco campaigns, because they've been around mm. for so long, right? They've been around for over 20 years. And they're also super successful yeah, as well. So. Yeah, mm. So we know, you know, for an ad to work, I um, can't remember the exact figures off the top of my head, but we, we know that people need to see them at least three times. Um, we know that um, you know, a lot of information that's then put into that media planning process to make sure the ads are on enough that people see them, but not too much that people switch off. Mm-hmm. So that it's a bit of a balancing act. And then we also choose, you know, um, we look at ratings. So we go into programs that we know our target audience watches. Um, and then we also put them in spots that we know the point of decision spots. So near fast food outlets, for example, where, where some people tell us that they don't want to be they don't want to put their indicator on and go through the drive-through, but they see it and they go, oh, one more time, you know, on the way home from work. Or mm-hmm. So um, also in cinemas and other, you know, other locations, shopping centres, other locations where we know ads will be seen. So um, so the other part of, of, of running a campaign, which is really important, is the evaluation, of course. Yeah. So when we do a new campaign, um, we do a cohort study. So we survey people before the ad goes to air and then we survey the same people after the ad goes to air and then we repeat that process in another state. So we can see if there's any changes in in people that we can really say it's due to the ad and not the fact that it's getting warmer so people are drinking more soft drinks, for example, because, you know, so if we see a state a, a change in Western Australia but we don't see the same change in South Australia, then we know that change is, is likely to be due to the ad. So, And has that been done for the, the toxic fat? ads that I feel like they've been around for years now. I know they probably haven't been, but I feel like, because I've seen them a number of times. Run out of battery? Yeah, it looks like it. It's okay. (laughs) Carry on. (laughs) Um, 
Yes, I've seen the ads a number of times. Has there been an evaluation process for the toxic fat ads? Yeah. So every time we run a a new ad for the first time, um, most of the time there has been that cohort design, so the pre and post. And then for the other times, um, we just do the post evaluation. So we just survey survey group of people afterwards, cross-sectional survey. And so what we've seen um, is that there have been significant reductions in sugary drinks um, as a result of the campaign. So that is a really... That's great. ...really positive (laughs) sign and also some some encouraging changes in in junk food consumption as well. So um, what we know with campaigns, though, is that they need to be on consistently so we can't just run run one campaign mm-hmm. and never run it again yeah. um, what that evaluation shows is that the, the campaign's um, really likely to be effective over time if it's run again and again and again right. so um, yeah, okay. very very encouraging results in WA and last year um, Cancer Council Australia released their national survey of teenagers where they measure sugary drink consumption and sugary drink consumption ac- across Australia has started to go down a little bit, but in WA it's been a really steep decline or a much oh, steeper wow. decline than other states. Cool. So that's an indication, although the campaign doesn't target teenagers, we know it probably suggests that, that parents and families are making, you know, not buying those products as much. Um, so that's a really encouraging result as well for the campaign's effectiveness. And, and- now that we've got a bit of a body of evidence about how campaigns work and when, when they're effective and when they're not, yeah. is there any, are there any particular elements that you guys have identified that, that are good predictors of whether people are going to change their behaviour? With campaigns in general yeah. or our campaigns? Uh, um, or your campaigns, yeah, anything that you've found that's been particularly effective? I think um, the research that goes into developing a campaign is critical. So people, as I said before, they need to see themselves. If, if we want people to change their behaviour, they need to find the campaigns relevant. And so we need to make sure that whatever we're showing in an ad is personally relevant and is believable to people. Um, it also needs to be credible. So, again, I mentioned um, things, particularly showing a health professional in an ad. Um, for Make Smoking History, for example, they've showed people who have quit, which is really relatable for a lot of people. Um, or, or we have it from an agency that's well respected. So um, even having um, Cancer Council logo at the end can really help with that sort of um, effectiveness as well. But really it is in how those ads are developed. And we know that um, for behaviour change to happen, they do need to be hard hitting. Okay. So hard hitting doesn't mean gory necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hard hitting means serious. Yeah. So whether it's a, a health, a serious health message, or it's a hard hitting image that makes people go, "Oh, that's that's happening inside my body." Yep. That is a really important um, element element of a, of an ad. I think yeah. the toxic fat one is a good example of that. Yeah, yeah a, absolutely. There's a shot of someone looking at a bit of fast food, whether it's a pie or whatever, and, and then all it the goes to the yellow. Stuff. Yeah. 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 And the yeah. smoking ones have been effective for that yeah. reason as well with the lung yeah. tar and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. because you can't see what's going on inside your body. Yeah. You can only see what's going on, on, <laughs> out, on, the, on yeah. the outside. So, yep. As we take a quick break from our conversation, I just wanted to remind everyone that you can get in touch with us via email at meaningofhealth at outlook.com or tweet us at healthmeanswhat. Also, if you're enjoying this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to and wanted to give us a quick rating or review us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, that would be much appreciated. And that also helps other people find us. All right, back on with the show. 
Now, you mentioned um, mostly t- television media and, and placement of, uh, I guess, signs near fast food outlets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you know when to use which type of media and which type of media to use? Sometimes it's on budget. So um, <laughs> really for us, TV's the most important thing. We know um, you might hear, well, you might be surprised at how many people watch TV. I don't watch TV. I watch yeah. Netflix or, so you know, yeah. uh, but a lot of people yeah. do. And TV is not TV. It's not just TV anymore. TV can be catch up. It can be watching video mm-hmm. online. It might even be YouTube. So anything that's um, uh, that, video, yeah, it's okay. all, I think it's called video now. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at my expert <laughs> over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so catch up TV. So um, we, we have to be sort of sophisticated at how, how we schedule advertising because the media landscape's changing really fast. So TV is still number one, and then we plan around what, what our budget's left. And so we have an agency who, you know, they're, they're um, up to date with the current um, viewership of, of certain programs. They've got really sophisticated data about how many people see. So if you drive um, on Marmion Avenue and see a billboard uh, on on the side of the road, they'll know how many people see that ad on any one day. Right, so yeah. we're able mm-hmm. to see how many people are exposed to ad- ads in a really quite a sophisticated way. Yeah. Um, and so really we're booking things that are going to give us the most exposure. So they okay. use the metrics that they've got to, to make recommendations. So we know with any campaign, TV is really important and then online is really important. So social media and those, um, we call them native ads. So it's sort of um, ads that you see, you might be reading a newspaper article, but the oh, ad's yeah. sort of in the middle of it um, yep. and sometimes looks like it's part of the article. So mm-hmm. those sorts of things where they're able to recommend um, get, get seen okay. the most. And then we're able to measure if people click through or not. So if it's one thing seeing it, but there's another thing, you know, it's another one to then click through to the next stage and view the full ad or view the website. And so we've got mm-hmm. measures of, of how people are using our website as well. So I'm, it's quite involved. <laughs> I think uh, big corporations have been very quick to jump on social media as a, as a tool for, you know, using influencers and product placement. And yeah. it, and I, I guess that for them, they go out of their way to make it look like their brand's not associated with mm. a person, but they've clearly is type yeah. of thing yeah do you have you guys considered doing anything like that or may, maybe it wouldn't be quite as covert as that but have you instagram influencers yeah. <laughs> to, to blunt that message or to yeah. counteract that message on those particular forums where you know young younger people and people who have been targeted yeah. are visiting yeah um i will just on a on a side note before i answer that say we we find social media quite frustrating because junk food companies um you know there are no rules around what they do whereas a lot of the ads we try and show on social media get blocked because um, there are a lot of rules around you can't show skin. I mean, Jazz, you can pop yeah. in here. Oh, you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can't show toxic fat because obviously it's part of your body. So there's a lot of rules that prevent toxic fat ads from paid media. So the way around that is we use organic socials that aren't paid through our own channels. So we've got about... 30,000 people on our Facebook page, which we deliver our messages. And we use our followers in a way to share our message virally. So through shares, going through their contacts. But yeah, we have to be very careful where we actually target people with a toxic fat message. Okay. 
Okay. So we can get it out there. We just have to yeah. be smart about it. Yeah. Okay. I'm just realising Jazz doesn't have a microphone. That's okay. So yeah, we didn't see. That'll, that'll <laughs> yeah. get picked but, up. Um, yeah. yeah, so we had an example, um, our most recent example, where we did a campaign with the Australian Dental Association and it was about teeth um, and about how sugary drinks cause tooth decay. Oh, yeah, I think I saw that. And the yeah. ad that we wanted to use to start with was very graphic and it got blocked. Right. So, you know, you line that up against um, all of the fast food ads and the things that kids are getting over and over and over again, whereas we're trying to be out there with a with a health message that's going to help people and, uh, and we can't win a lot of... We're not allowed to show it. So yeah. this happens a lot with Cancer Council. We can't talk about poo, you know, which is really important around our early detection. <laughs> so, so you can't even just in text, you can't talk, refer to it? No, we can't. Oh, no, we can in, in, yeah, we can in text, but obviously people aren't going to click through from text. We, yeah. There are certain images that we need to show so that people engage mm. with them. Um, we have our SunSmart programs had prob- problems showing images of moles, okay. even when they've been talking about getting your skin checked. So right. we're up against it a lot, and it's really it's really frustrating. It's mad because mm. you see people putting all sorts of photos on yeah. Instagram and mm. Facebook, you know, like semi-naked basically yeah. yep. um, in Bali and all these sort mm. of places. Yep. So mm. how, can, how they can differentiate that yeah. as being acceptable and what you guys are doing is not is... Yeah. Baffling, yeah. yeah. And the so, the social influencer is a good is a good question, and we're probably quite conservative because you can't control. You know, you might be okay. able to get someone to do the right thing one week, but then the next week they might be, you know, out. They'll get photographed smoking and yeah. just drinking yeah. wine from the exactly. bottle. Exactly. So yeah. it's really oh, drinking hard. Drinking from a cola bottle. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard. We had an example that we looked into recently of um of a of a of a cooking. You know, someone who's been doing a lot of cooking online and we thought he would be a fantastic person and then we were told by his agent he's about to release his own um his own wine brand so uh, <laughs> you know it's course. very 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 tricky for us to make sure that we're choosing someone who's always going to be aligned to our brand and, yep. and sadly that means that we, we're quite well not sadly I shouldn't use that word but it does mean probably with with how how protective we are over our, our brand mm. um for for good reason um we're, we're quite often Link, you know, we, we'd be working with, um, you know, specialists and yep. GPs and, and things like that who we know will always say the right thing. But we, we, we would never pay. We would never pay someone to say that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fair yeah. enough. I think yeah. it's better if it's organic and it comes yeah. from people who believe in what yeah. they're, they're saying yeah. rather than being paid to say it. Yeah. And there yeah. is also the other side of um, social influencers where they might not be promoting junk food, but they're promoting the other way as well, which yeah. would affect more kids because, yeah. you know, they follow those social influences and then suddenly those yeah. people are eating an apple a day and that's it. Yeah. Um, so there's also that other side that could be quite tough to face, particularly yeah. in social media. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so you sort of alluded to it before, but how do you measure whether your campaigns are working? How do you evaluate them? Yeah, so um, the thing that we put most of our resources into are those those campaign evaluations. So we have um, typically we have three campaign waves a year, and as I said before, if they're new campaigns, we'll do a cohort style. So we'll survey the same people before and afterwards. And so the types of questions we ask are around awareness. So did you actually see the ad? Um, and 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 of those people who saw the ad. Um, so they're prompted, you know, if they haven't seen it, we then prompt and they're like, oh, yes, I did see that one. So um, awareness, um, and that helps us obviously know whether our media placement is right. Um, and then we look at things like, um, you know, as a result, do, do you think the ad was talking to you? You know, we, we try and assess all those things that we consider in our brief early on um, when we're developing the campaign. 
we check back in. So do you think that ad was talking to you? Do you think, do you believe what was in the ad? Um, has that ad made you think about changing behaviour? Have you actually changed your behaviour? Um, have you spoken to anyone, um, like a, a doctor, about being any health concerns? So we're able to really see whether those intentions to change before the campaign, people may have a really big shift as a result of seeing it. So even if people aren't reporting any behaviour change, if they're reporting an intention to change, um, your, 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 your public health students will know that that's a really important um, it's the first step. It's the first step. Pre-contemplation, yeah, yeah. 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 So um, it just <laughs> means that there might that the next thing might be the thing that gets them to change. So it might be a chat with someone. It might be an ad they see somewhere else. It might be the next campaign we have on on air. It might be something else. But getting them to just shift along that continuum a little bit is a, is a really key outcome for us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we ask lots of questions of people to really assess what things have changed as a result of seeing the advertising. So Yeah. So those are yeah. sort of surveys that you do with yeah. people, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're phone surveys. So could you would you believe people still answer those phone phone surveys? But we have, you know, about uh, roughly a thousand or seven hundred and fifty people per survey. So okay. um, we we are talking really good numbers, really robust data. Yeah. I think yeah. I've actually done the survey for toxic fat. Oh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> so, like I, I have joined up for some of the surveys because I find it interesting. Yeah, so, mm. um, yeah, I've done the, yeah. I've done an online one that yeah. included some live lighter campaigns. Ah, so you'll have my data in yeah. there. So when you say phone, is that landlines or is it mobiles or a mix of? Well, both? it used to just be landlines, and now we've added some mobile phones too. Okay. So it is, it is. Um, the landline stuff is random, mm. so it's not people who have signed up. Um, mm. Mobile phone is still random too, but it does rely on people having registered their phone with the white pages. So um, oh, yeah. still, you know, there are, nothing is ever perfect. Um, there are also some companies that you can sign up for. Yeah. So then, like, you do so that, surveys and then you get yeah. rewards back. And, that, and that's right. when you do them online. Yeah. And every now and then we might, you know, use that for something small, but for our big campaign data is always over the phone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I guess it would be too hard to measure the impact of your campaigns in terms of actual behaviour change in the community because there'd be all sorts of factors that might contribute oh, to that. There'd be so many confounding things happening. Yeah. yeah. But, so with, but, the, yeah, yeah, with it, the cohort design, we can. So if people yeah. report changing their behaviour um, as a result of seeing the campaign, then... You know, we can, again, whether people are honest about it, just take the campaign or whatever, what else is going on in their life at the moment. But um, the fact that we've seen significant changes in sugary drink behaviour, um, you know, when we, when we take into account all those things, the differences by state, then, you know, it is a really strong indication. Yeah, oh, that's good. Because I know they've tried to tease that out with smoking as well, mm. uh, knowing which element of the smoking policies that have been implemented in, mm. uh, nationally have, have been the most effective. And they talk about the price increases being a big part of that. Yeah, and then obviously yeah. the messaging yeah. as well. I don't know if you guys have a sense of what's worked the most for things like, sh you know, sugar, sweetened beverages and... Yeah, well, I, I, I suppose because we're so early on and we're so early on, you know, there's so much more to do in the policy um, space. Um, really, the differences in WA do come down to the campaign. You know, we're the only state running um, a Live Lighter campaign over time. We're the only state who's been running one for, you know, 2012. The Department of Health funded at a really great level so that we're able to run it properly. And other states have sort of done a little bit here and there and they might do a campaign for a year and then not do anything for two years and they, they're, they're not seeing what we're seeing here. Mm -hmm. So it really is something that other states are trying 
yep. really hard to lobby their governments for. We're trying to lobby the federal government to have a national campaign. Um, we're very, very fortunate in, in Western Australia that we have a supportive health minister who recognises the value of prevention. And we've got a fantastic Department of Health who recognise the importance of of these campaigns and continue to, mm. to advocate themselves for them to, to get funding. So um, WA is in a really fortunate position yeah. um, with prevention at the moment. We're certainly the envy of the, of, of the <laughs> yeah. country with our commitment to prevention. But, yeah. And hopefully that message gets through because we know that there's links between um, obesity and mental illness and, mm. you know, obviously heart disease I feel like it's and connected cancer to and most yeah. things now. Mm. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, lifestyle, obviously, it's a big part of people's lifestyles, you know, yeah. what they consume. So, yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. The other um, study that we've commissioned, we don't have the results yet, is um, we've commissioned a health economist to look at the um, return on investment for Live Lighter. So really okay. looking at population data, um, all of our data that we've collected through the campaign over time and looking at, um, you know, as a result of your investment, what are the cost savings to the health, you know, what are the cost savings for the pers- for the population in mm. terms of lives saved and also... Um, uh, you know, the, the savings to the health system. So we'll, we'll have some really good evidence around that coming soon as well. Oh, who is, who really is that health economist? Um, her name's Jai Three. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce okay. her surname, <laughs> uh, but she is um, with Deakin University okay. in their health economics, and she was the lead order, uh, author on the, the ACE study which looked at the most cost-effective obesity policy um, interventions that could be well, that should be implemented in Australia. Mm. So, yeah, very, very well regarded and um, fantastic researcher. So we're really excited yeah. about that project. Yeah. We'll have to That's look good. her up because it would be interesting yeah. to have a chat with her. Yeah, yes. that would be yeah. so interesting. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, excellent. Yeah. So we're coming towards the end of our chat, I think, Kelly. Um, what's, what else do you think is needed to address obesity? Well, in WA, um, the th- there are a number of things that we think need to be addressed that look at, um, you know, so the campaign is really doing a really good job at educating people and, and talking about how urgent it is, but we know it's not a simple issue. Mm-hmm. And a lot of um, media commentators in particular, you might see, say it's just choice. People just need to make the choice. And that's a common industry <laughs> argument as well. But as you know, it's very hard. It's not just choice. <laughs> it's very, very hard to make good choices all the time. And if we're living in an environment that is just bombarded with junk food advertising. We go to events, there's no healthy food options, for example. Um, our kids are going, you know, to, to um, family venues on the weekend that have sugary drinks and slushies everywhere, you know, mm. junior sport. It's really hard. It's really hard as a parent to make good choices for your kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, in supermarkets, you push your trolley around and there's, you know, buy two cartons of cola for the price of one. Yeah. And like the easiest aisle to get to is the ones that yeah. have all the chips and chocolate. It's really, it. really hard. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. there are a lot of things that are at a local mm. level we can do. One of them is banning junk food advertising off state-owned assets. So there, every billboard you see, almost every outdoor ad you see is owned by the government. That property mm. is owned by the government. So um, billboards, bus, buses, bus stops, train station advertising, um, all of those things um, you know, we, we should not we should not be allowing junk food companies to boost boost sales on 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 taxpayer funded property. Just absolutely not. So that's yeah. our number one thing at the moment. Um, but there's lots of other things. So the Department of Health, the health system, has a healthy options policy, and we'd love to see that policy extended to all government um, mm-hmm. agencies. So if you go to the brand new museum, for example, we'd love 
for there to be a, a healthy options policy there and no, you know, sugary drinks for sale and those types of things. Um, we would really love a walking and cycling strategy where the oh, government is so good. Yeah, where the government's in, investing in some infrastructure to make it safe and easy for people to be active on their way to work yeah. or school. I think that's possibly one of the biggest failings yeah. of, of our society yeah. so far is that yeah. we have this obesity problem. Yeah. Um, and then we promote cars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we have people yeah. wanting to cycle. Yeah. And we know that cycling is dangerous currently yeah. because the evidence suggests if there's not physical barriers and stuff protecting cyclists, they do get knocked off. Mm. And yet they can't seem to, there's no political will or mm. there's not enough political will just to make those mm. minor adjustments to the roads, like just yeah. main arteries into the city. There are I some that pockets. Yeah, there yeah. are some pockets that are working on it. So I know the city of Vincent have got some good walking and yeah. cycling things. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah. I think overall WA can definitely be improved yeah. in that. I mean, yeah, north of the river where I, I live in Morley, yeah. um, there's Alexander Drive and uh, Fitzgerald Street, which yeah. is one big artery, yeah. Yeah. which people do try and cycle down, but cars are Good luck. sort of trying, yeah. not, you know, cars are getting mad at you all the time. And yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. It but is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like these messages often con get contradicted. Yeah. That's, I think that's where I think your your agency and, and others, if, you, if you're in that policy conversation, then hopefully yeah. something can get changed. Yeah. yeah. Another, if we've got time very quickly, yeah. another really important change that needs to happen is changes to our planning law so that when local governments are assessing planning applications, they have the power to make decisions based on health. And at the moment, they don't. So they can really? make a decision. Okay. I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. So a few years ago, there was an application in Guildford for a McDonald's to open across the road from a primary school. There was a lot of community outrage. Um, but in the end, the local council, um, you know, the only way they could refuse that was because it was um, sort of did what, not in line with herit local heritage um, planning codes. Um, we had a similar application for a cigar bar, which was oh <laughs> which again the only way the local government could could say no to that was because um, they didn't have provision for enough car car bays. That's um, incredible. You know, so really, um, and this is where we've got a really exciting project. Hopefully, with the UWA Law School, is we're looking at where in that in that law, um, planning law we can make some amendments to um, make sure that planning law. Um, lines up with the Public Health Act so our local governments can actually make really strong decisions yeah. based on health and not just based on whether there's enough toilets or car yeah. pays or, you <laughs> it, know, other things. It would things. just save a lot of time and resources mm. as well because those things ultimately can be challenged, you know, at the state level. But mm. you'd have to go through that whole process and end up yeah. in this, the, the SAT yes. you yep. know, to get that done. Whereas if yeah. the local government could say, actually, we have the power yes. for this reason yeah. and you can't really challenge that reason... Yeah. Um, then they can make those decisions. Yeah. 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 So small small changes can make mm. a really, really huge difference to, at the community level. So, yeah, yeah these are the, the types of things we're looking at. Yeah. yeah. But I will say we're very fortunate. We do, you know, we do have a government interested in this issue. We do have a government who's doing some great things, you know, and um, but, but it doesn't mean they're doing enough. So yeah. there yeah. are more things. There's more to do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> always, Lots always of opportunities. More. Yeah. Always and more to do. On that. Are you able to talk about what your next campaign is going to be? Yeah, well, we don't yeah. know yet. Don't know it's yet. Still in ah, testing, okay. but I can tell you um, it's going to be amazing, and we're hoping <laughs> to launch it early next year. So, okay. um, yeah, it's uh, we're trialling a few. It's not going to be hugely different to what we've done before because okay. we know it works. So yeah. there's no need to to, to start. Is it still um, going to be focused on toxic fat? 
Or uh, it's going. <laughs> it is going to still um, raise the awareness yeah. of, of the links between toxic fat and cancer yeah. and your cancer risk. So it will have a strong cancer message because we know that that is a message that people still um, us are very surprised at mm-hmm. and need and need to hear a little bit more. And it's yeah. the reason for doing new campaigns that largely follow the same theme to give people something new to look at so they don't get tired of looking at the same yeah, ads? Yeah. Okay. We know people need new information all the time. So we can we can run the same ads a few times. That's no problem. We can have a break for a couple of years. That's no problem too. But people need, you know, to be reminded, motivated. Um, well, that, I, I, that I didn't find that too worrying, but this, this, this one I do, you know, that really resonates with me. So everybody, you know... We just need to make sure that we're 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 constantly giving and motivating people yeah. um, with new information. I think that's mm. a big part of people's behaviour. Is often they are uninformed, mm. and if they were informed, you know, like I've seen it's people bad. actively not order something from a fast food chain because the kilojoules comes comes up on the yeah. menu now, yeah, and they and they see that that's three times your recommended I've daily. Done that. <laughs> so that I know, yeah, that clearly is a simple thing that does work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just because yeah. people have the information. Yeah, and that's something that's coming too. So those, um, they're currently voluntary, those kilojoule, uh, that kilojoule information, um, and we, 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 it will be mandatory in WA oh, for, for restaurants to have that, or fast food, food certain restaurants to have that on their menu. I absolutely so, love that, having yeah. that on the menu. I and just it just so means, important. it means when it's mandated that everybody has to have the same information yeah. and that it has to be accurate and it will be actually audited. So at the moment, what you see is voluntary mm. and they're not always accurate. Okay. Then they're, they're not always accurate. And so there's probably a bit of underestimating with a lot of a lot yeah. of products okay. so this this will be great when it comes in hopefully it will come in um in wa we've we've seen it in other states and it's been really effective yeah mm. very good on that note is there mm. anything else that you wanted to talk no, about no just thank you very much for having us in yeah. and um yeah watch this space with the live lighter campaign but yeah. i guess we we should also mention that the campaign um has a really great website with lots mm-hmm. and lots of recipes meal planners um, the calculators. Yeah, I the have tried some. Great. They're very good. <laughs> They're really good for um, quick dinners. Yeah. And anyone who's listening who has kids, there's lots of um, really good recipes for lunch boxes and stuff like that too. So, um, yeah, have a look. And we'll have the link in yeah, our we'll description. Put, and we'll put the links yeah. to your materials. Great. Yep, that'll great. be great. Oh, well, thanks very much for coming in. Yeah, yes, welcome. Thank you. thank you for having me. Yeah. So that was our conversation with Kelly Cannington from the Cancer Council of Western Australia. Uh, yeah, it was super interesting. Uh, I feel like I've learned a lot, particularly about how campaigns have been made, because I didn't really know much about that. Yeah, yeah. it was really interesting. Yeah, it just seems like a, a quick 30-second or one-minute grab that comes on the television. But yeah, clearly there's, there's months of work. Yeah, and there's some serious experts involved in formulating them and testing whether they're doing what they intend to do. Yeah, and I'm going to be curious as to see what the the next campaign is all about and what the slight differences are going to be. Yeah, and we'll look forward to to chatting with more people from the Cancer Council as well, as as everyone heard in that conversation. Yeah, definitely. So uh, thanks to Kelly and the Obesity Prevention Team for letting us uh, talk to them. Yeah, it's been been a great conversation. Yeah. And we'll join you listeners again soon. All right, thanks everyone. The Meaning of Health podcast is produced with the support of the School of Population and Global Health and the Education Enhancement Unit at the University of Western Australia. The podcast is produced by Craig Cumming and Courtney Webber with music by Craig Cumming.